Hey everyone, this is Arjun. I just wanted to make a couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get this episode started. First of all, if you've subscribed to us on Spotify already, thank you so much. If you haven't, thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe. We are working on getting ourselves onto Apple Podcasts as well, so we will definitely let you know as soon as that happens. Second, although this is being published as episode three, it's the fourth episode we recorded, so you're going to hear me refer to it as episode four at the start of the episode itself. We initially had a different scene lined up for today and decided to switch up that order. Sorry for any confusion. Um, But lastly, we should have said this in the first two episodes too, but obviously, spoiler warning, we do reveal plot details throughout the movies um, whose scenes we are discussing, and I think I have nothing else. So again, thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the And Scene Podcast. This is episode number four? Four, yeah? I think so. All right, four. <laughs> Let's do it. I am back in Chicago now, and I am calling with Aditya on the other line. Say hi. Hello. I'm Arjun Mota. It's because I didn't say that before. Today, we're going to talk about a scene from The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking of a certain scene from The Wolf of Wall Street, it's probably not the first scene that you thought of. It's not the Quaalude scene. It's not the party scene. It is not the I'm not fucking leaving scene. What scene are we talking about, Aditya? We're doing the sit down with the FBI and Jordan Belfort on his boat. So basic metrics of this scene, it takes up about, well, I guess, important note here. The screenplay that we were reading from while re-watching this, re-watching this scene again, we, it was maybe not the shooting script that was available. We couldn't really find the shooting script per se. But the script that we found was around six and a half pages of that uh, for the scene. And it takes up around eight and a half minutes per the YouTube clip. And it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Kyle Chandler as the FBI agent, and some guy as Kyle Chandler's partner. Do you have any idea who that guy is? No. No? Okay. Just like this guy who got got the dumb luck to be in a Scorsese movie, right? (laughs) Let's talk through this the first time you watched this scene. I think they tell me about the first time you watched whether it was Wolf of Wall Street, this scene, whatever it else it is. I watched the movie Wolf of Wall Street in theaters the weekend it came out with my buddy Peter and I think a couple other people right here at Canton Cinema. It was three hours long. Yep. It was incredibly inappropriate at the time. Um and I, I, I laughed so much. I thought it was hilarious. And I didn't have, I think a lot of the conversation when the movie came out was about the kind of classic Scorsese critique where it's like, is he glamorizing this, glorifying it? I didn't have that. I think maybe because we were in Michigan in the midst of the recession and it was very clear that these people were evil. But I loved this movie from day one and I rewatched it. I think I've seen it like maybe six or seven times in the five or six years since. And this scene in particular didn't, it's not the one that, like you mentioned, it's not the one that jumps out right away, right? There's the quail, there's a couple of really, really famous set pieces and, and scenes that are kind of go-tos for people. But mm-hmm. every time I rewatch it, I think more and more about this scene being the kind of key to Jordan Belfort to the point that the movie is making. To me, it's just kind of the linchpin of the movie. So I, I love it. I think it's the best. I had I have a similarly extremely clear memory of the first time I watched this movie and if I'm not wrong it came out around Christmas time. So I was back home in upstate New York with my family for, you know, the winter holiday in college and 
we all went to it. So I'm going to it with my parents, my aunt, my uncle, my cousins, who are also both adults at the time too. And my younger brother, who is, I want to say 16 or 17. But the point is we're with our parents. And you know, maybe the second or first scene in the movie is him snorting coke out out of a prostitute's asshole, (laughs) which (laughs) was quite something to be a couple of seats from my uh, mom to watch. But sort of like you alluded to, frankly, this isn't a scene that, it's a scene that I clearly remembered, but until you frankly suggested it as a podcast episode, it wasn't one that I immediately was going to be like, that should be the one we do from this movie if we're doing this movie. So let's flip the order really quickly. So instead of going with rewatching with screenplay, we'll first do what separates the scene. Because I want to talk about why you decided to choose this scene. Uh, Tell me about what made this scene the one you want to talk about. So it's a couple different reasons. One is that Leo, and maybe we'll talk about Leo later, but this scene kind of lets Leo walk through a couple different modes where he's being like charming Jordan Belfort. Hey, come on on my boat. Let's hang out type guy. He's doing uh, the most like elegant, subtle in his mind bribe that you can do really like uh, then he's just turns into a total prick when it becomes clear that the FBI agent Kyle Chandler was playing him the entire time. So he's doing a lot of different work in the scene. Kyle Chandler is, is, just giving him rope the entire time and underplays it so well. And I, I think they're great together. I was going to say, I think the phrase giving him rope is so apt because he's doing it so well. And I remember the first time I watched the movie, I wasn't totally sure whether he was just going to take the bribe or like maybe he was playing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was like, who the fuck knows? But Rewatching it, knowing he was playing him the whole time, you see how well he's doing it and just how much space he's giving for Leo to... It's sort of like the almost like a hitch. You go, what is it? Like 10%, they come 90% or whatever it is for a kiss. <laughs> so you can tell that he's done this with, you know, white collar guys before and he knows exactly how to get to him. And he kind of does this like simple, oh, I'm just a poor federal agent guy who who just loves being kind of in on the joke when Leo's nice to him, he kind of lights up. But mm-hmm. the, the the moment he reveals, he's like, could you say that again? It, <laughs> just as you, you just see his face change. Leo's face completely darkens. It's, it's incredible reveal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really cool. And that's talking about how there's like sort of the change. I do think frankly in rewatching that Chandler kind of steals the scene. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, okay. So he, he's incredible. You and I, just before we started recording, talked about like when he says, well, fuck it, fuck, fuck. If I, if I seize this boat, like that's, it's, it's delivered so goddamn well. It's so good because his um, just like utter contempt for Jordan Belfort's character or Jordan Belfort is, is you can tell he just wants to nail the guy, you know? It does. There was a moment when I first watched it where I was like, you know, maybe maybe the FBI agent believes Leo and would rather go after Goldman than Stratton Oakmont or whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like no one, almost the entirety of the scene, no one means what they're saying. Like mm-hmm. you could write off a lot of Leo's dialogue as kind of babbling. He's babbling about the guy who made that one trade that made him half a million dollars. You know, he's 
doing this whole thing about, oh, we're the new kids on the block. We're good. We're just trying to establish ourselves. It's basically like a giant sales pitch, right? We've seen him do it in the movie like multiple times by this point in the film. This is the one where it just doesn't work. Like it's, he's going for a sale. He's going, it's like kind of the mirror of him on the phone earlier in the movie when he's pitching that stock, except Kyle Chandler just stops him stone cold. And it's, it's so interesting to see him scramble to deal with it not working for him. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a new sensation for him. Mm-hmm. And he, he doesn't know how to handle it. He, totally, he basically throws a tantrum, right? Like <laughs> he's throwing money and lobster at the guy and trying to insult him. And literally, they don't look back at all. And, and they totally win the interaction, I think. From the performances, I think this scene just is the most direct statement that the movie makes. Like these people have nothing, nothing, nothing but contempt for everyday citizens. You know, they do this faux, you're the real heroes, like you ride the subway, firefighter, FBI agents, you guys built this country. But it's such bullshit the moment their place on top is challenged. And it, it the facade falls away, like right away. And I think this scene is the most clear uh, one that Martin Scorsese kind of makes the, the thesis statement of this movie clear. That's a great way of putting it. And frankly, I don't think that had occurred to me. Yeah, I, I think you could, because the movie is fun, undeniably, right? And you're in the middle of the party scene or the, the dancing at the wedding scene or laughing at John yeah, yeah. and you kind of get away from it. But this one is just like, this is a bad person and he doesn't care and he's really doesn't think highly of you as, a, as an everyday person. And, and that, you know, you kind of put that on all the banks, even the crisis that we had, you know, this was set earlier in time, but all the executives that we saw on the news all the time, they don't care. They'll say whatever they have to say. And I don't know. That, that's what struck a chord with me in this scene. I love that point. Thanks for making it. One thing I'm thinking through now is you said, I think correctly, that Leo goes through a bunch of different modes in this scene. Do you have a favorite one? I like his, uh, I like his like weird circuitous offer of money. Okay. I really like, he, he thinks he's being like confiding. He thinks he's making himself look like a good guy. Um, and he does the whole like, you know, we could make that happen for you with the right guidance, with the right. <laughs> it's just so, once you know what, what's actually going on, if, uh, upon a rewatch, it's so transparent as a sales pitch. It's, it's really funny. I think for me, my favorite is actually when the tables first turn, when, when Chandler says like, say it exactly as you said it and you see like his he he is trying to leave leo's trying to leave the interaction with some shred of dignity as if he won the interaction he's like smiling throws his sunglasses on he's clearly super pissed but trying to play it off and you know exactly what a person who's like that uh is thinking feeling and reacting it's embarrassment it's great yeah, he, I think he crushes it from there. And to see someone who looks like that and in that setting be embarrassed is, is incredible. Yeah, and honestly, like, knowing about Leo's personal life in terms of just the women purely, like, not maybe that different. Yeah, no. And um, Leo, I don't know if you want to talk more broadly about Leo. I, for me, this is the best Leo performance. And I liked Leo before this. I love The Departed. I love, you know, quite a few of his movies. But to me, he was always so tense and so wound up and like kind of coiled all the time. And this movie 
was like a weird, I, even though it's the most tense, like drawn out, everyone compares it to the second half of Goodfellas for the entirety of it, but it's so loose and like funny and he's physical and he's like charming and laugh. I don't know. It, it's, it's my favorite by far. And he, from this point on, I think he kind of like embraces that side a little bit. He does it in Django in a weird way. I agree that it's probably the best Leo. I think I am someone who, something that you sort of mentioned earlier was I'm someone who thinks it could have been two hours, 45 instead of three hours. And that would have been like sort of the perfect length. There are one or two too many scenes where it's like, all right, like I get it. He's fucking more prostitutes in crazy ways on different drugs available to him. Mm-hmm. But Leo is... I don't think he falters even for a moment in terms of the performance he's giving. And it a little bit sucks that this is not the movie he'll get, he'll have gotten the Oscar for. In fact, it's the polar opposite kind of performance that they valued, right? Yeah, absolutely. But this is his probably best performance. And that happens sometimes and it's okay. I mean, he has an Oscar, so I'm not complaining that much. He's one of, I mean, I don't think it's a controversial statement. He's one of the most, significant actors of the last couple of decades yeah but I, but yeah it, go ahead it, it stands out in his kind of uh resume of cops and especially his work with scorsese it's like departed shutter island gangs of new york mm-hmm. aviator those are serious serious men with so so wait you know f- full disclosure i haven't seen aviator but yeah of the, the other three uh, it, it's very much clear yeah, and, and you know, he flashed this side a little bit in Catch Me If You Can. I was going to bring that one up next. Yeah, which is also a really charming performance. This is just like, you know, movie star shit. Yeah, and he does it once again in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, sort of. Yeah. Where he, actually it's kind of in some of the stuff in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This, this is maybe stepping on related reading, so maybe we can get right into that. But I think it's quite similar to the stuff of um, when he thinks he's done for in Hollywood or when he is in his trailer, like drunk as hell and he messed up his lines. Mm-hmm. The, the sheer realizing like the, the sort of the, the embarrassment, exactly like you said, that that is, there, there's some overlap there between this performance. Yeah. And when some he, of those. This, this area of like ego vanity plus, you know, he kind of feels like, things have taken a turn and he's on the downside a little bit. He does it in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really well. I, I think you're talking about the scene where he's like kicking himself in the trailer. It's so good. Yeah, and it's exactly, exactly. Jordan Belfort going to see it would, would be like that. We see that. Um, yeah. And there's, there's definitely a lot of commonality with um, Django. And Django, yeah. And, and to me, those three, like his opening up in those three movies are are my favorite performances by far. Yeah, they're are they would you say that those are his three best performances? I'm trying to think of his other stuff, right? It's it would be things like Shutter Island, Departed, uh I guess Blood Diamond, something he got nominated for. I mean, I, I, I those three are my favorite. I I love the Departed, but to me that's a Damon movie, not a Leo movie. Wow. I think let's start wrapping it up. I just want to double check if you have any other related readings you would suggest, whether it's for Kyle Chandler or tonally similar movies. Otherwise, whether it's like things in indulgence or excess. So um, Kyle Chandler, for someone who's known primarily as a decent guy, mm-hmm. 
he has this really good lane in uh, good people, but with a clearly kind of scummy undercurrent. He does yes. in game night really well as yeah. Jason Bateman's brother. I think he's great in this whole movie because he's there's, there's scenes of him on the subway where you kind of can see him second guessing what he's doing. And he does kind of maybe for a second, a split second, believe that he fucked up by not doing what Jordan does and going into stocks. Um, and he, he, he wears the disappointment kind of really well. The other scenes in this movie are great. I love the, the first pitch at the penny stock place with Spike Jones that leaves. Yeah. I think that's so good. I love obviously the I'm not leaving speech, the Quaalude speech. Um, honestly, this movie is incredible. I would watch the whole thing. It only makes you like it's only gotten better as we're kind of more literate about inequality and more frustrated with the system that we have. To me, it's like a more, it's even angrier than Big Short in a way that I like. Interesting, because I always cons- I always picture McKay as a much angrier writer or like auteur, let's say, than uh, Scorsese is. Yeah, to me the, but to me I, I, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier. This movie communicates its anger just by repeatedly showing you how stupid these people really think you are and how little they care about you. Whereas um, Big Short was more kind of grounded in people who didn't believe in the system already. You know, so it's kind of a, a different messenger for the same message. But yeah, yeah, watch the other scenes in this movie. I would watch Big Short. I would watch Goodfellas if you haven't seen it. Similar vein, but gangsters instead of um, executives. Yeah, I mean, that that's like the most obvious related reading of all time, right? It's Goodfellas with this. Yeah, I was trying to think of a non-Scorsese, non... Yeah, because Good, Goodfellas is basically just this with, a, with an insane body count, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing else, frankly. I've said frankly a lot of times. I don't know why, but it's my adverb of the day, I guess. Um, do you have anything else you want to add on or anything we forgot? No, I mean, this movie, I could talk about it forever. I think there was a lot of anger when it came out that the wrong people were claiming it or the wrong people were watching it and laughing at the wrong times and it made people mad that Jordan Belfort was looked at kind of like heroically on, on Wall Street or in finance circles. Kind of like uh, people having pictures of Scarface in their houses. But you watch it again and again and that you, you kind of start to wonder how that could be the takeaway at all. It's, it's deeply, deeply angry. And I, I think it, it's one of the, of course, these movies that ages better and better as time goes on. Cool. I, honestly, I'll, I haven't watched it again in a while. I'm going to have to do that. But anyways, I don't want to take up too much more time. So thanks for listening if you've been with us this whole time. Sorry we did not get to rewatching with the screenplay. I frankly just didn't think it fit quite in with our discussion. But we appreciate your time. And uh, from Aditya and I'm Arjun, uh, thanks for listening. See you next time, hopefully.